Hi everyone, you're listening to Humanize Your Workplace with Alyssa Carpenter, where we chat about all things, well, human. On each of these bite-sized episodes, I'll give you something new to try to become more self-aware, help you build better work relationships, or just try to get you through a sticky work situation. It all starts with an open mind and a conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Humanize Your Workplace. This week, we're joined by Teresa Hummel-Kralinger, who's a well-respected senior training professional and performance consultant, but it's her work as a humorous and motivational speaker that sets her apart. She's known for her lively and interactive presentation style and is a frequently requested speaker on topics of employee morale, professional development, performance improvement, and workplace communication. Her experience as a professional stand-up comedian enables her to add fun and humor to her consulting work. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So what I'd love to do is kick things off with this one question, and I know it, it might be difficult to answer, but if you could thank one person for helping you or a group of people for helping you become the professional you are today, who would that be and why? I think the, the hardest part of this question, um, Alyssa, is just narrowing it down to one person because I have so many people that have really um, done so much to help me get where I am today. But I, I, it started with Carol Graber. Carol Graber, we worked at Prudential. She was uh, the manager of our training department, and she hired me. Um, I had no formal training background, no schooling in corporate training. And she brought me in as an assistant training specialist. And then I got the training I needed. Now, I can thank Carol, and I can also thank Prudential for that because I, I um, learned instructional design, adult learning theory, how to write policies and procedures, and all of that was when I worked for Carol. But I think that the biggest thing she did was she really boosted my confidence and got me to see um, that I was good. And like, like she would tell me, you are good. And I'd think, me? I'm, oh, thank you. So, so Carol did a lot. Like I would not be in this field and I would not probably have the confidence that I have if it weren't for Carol at the very beginning. I think that's huge. Thank you for putting that out. I think that's huge because while it may have seemed small for her just to say, you're good at this. We don't hear that that often. Um, Sometimes or, you know, early on in career and realizing, you know, I'm just trucking along, I'm doing things. Is this right? Is this wrong? You know, what do I need to improve? Um, So to have somebody that, supported you and said, you know, you can, this is your thing. You know, you're really good at that. I think is on, is really awesome. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny. I look back now because, um, I I like getting a compliment now. I mean, who doesn't, but I think I really needed the compliment then, if it makes sense. Like at that point I was young, I wasn't sure what I was good at and, and I so much needed the validation then. So, so she, and she knows, I mean, I, I, over the year, we, we obviously parted ways. She's gone on to work in other places. So have I, but she knows uh, how much that meant to me and um, that she's high on my list of the helpers. That's a good point too, about just being early on in career and figuring out, is this really where I want to be? Is this something that I want to do? Because you don't, you know, you don't really know, or, you know, you might've majored in something else and you plop into this space and 
to, you know, have somebody say, this is actually your space, you know, this, you're yeah. making a difference and impact here. Yeah, it well, I was a biology and chemistry major. <laughs> so, so the last thing I thought was that I'd be working for an insurance company, but um, I needed the job, to be honest, yeah. you know, I just needed to work. Um, but the universe had a plan, because by dropping me off in Prudential, I got into corporate training, and I ended up spending 18 years there, that really is the foundation of my career. It's so interesting because you're you're by no means the first person who's mentioned I kind of fell into this HR space. I'm curious just about if you can share a little bit more about the career, what, what you're currently working on. I do find it so interesting because people who are very passionate about human resources have, I mean, yes, there are a lot of people who have majored in it and, you know, are very successful, but ha- was that their first intention, let's say, of careers? No, and it, and it, it wasn't even on the radar because if... If I'm honest with you, I mean, think about this. When, um, what was this, 1982. So 1982, we didn't really have HR degrees. It wasn't even called HR. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it was called personnel back in back in the day, personnel. And there were no degree programs and there was no certification. Um, I love the fact that Sherm had the wisdom to see this is a, a, a body of knowledge that deserves of certification and, and recognition. But back in the day, that wasn't something you would major in. So uh, I fell into it and I think, well, I know I'm wired for this. So before I went to the training department, I worked in an operations area and did informal training, you know? So it was, you know, I learned how to do my job. So then I would tell other people how to do the job based on what I learned. So it, it all started there. Um, and then when there was a, a training position open, a friend of mine said, you should post for this. You should post for this because you would be perfect for it. And um, and that's how the whole crazy thing started. And now here I am. Gosh, I started in 1987. Yeah. That's a oh, long time ago. Yeah, but that means pools. it's <laughs> awesome. I mean, things have changed. You're obviously very extremely you know, passionate about it. So to be able to know, to go from something that wasn't even on the radar to spending, you know, three plus decades, like that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's it's so wild. And to see the progression of our field, both human resources and um, corporate training. I mean, when I entered the corporate training field, we didn't have desktop computers. So we would handwrite our training packages and turn them into a typing pool. And the typing pool would create the the written package and then we would literally cut and paste graphics into what they type you know how we say oh cut and paste we literally cut and (laughs) like we cut a picture out and we paste it and then we photocopied it yeah it was crazy you look back uh, um we had transparencies Mm -hmm. so we had powerpoint but on the transparency we would design our visuals and flip and if they got wet or anything, that was oh yeah, you lost you know, it. the machine around and all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's just how far we've come to the fact that look at us, look at us online having a conversation, and like, this would never have been on our radar. So amazing progression. Yeah, I know. I'm just thinking about you know how things just have evolved just in general. I'm I'm curious, and I want to dive a little bit into to training, and even when we're the times that we're in right now, because, and you and I talked about this a little bit earlier, but in terms of 
trainings for employees and leaders. Right now, so many companies' budgets have been cut. People are being laid off or furloughed. And sometimes trainings are the first things to go or, you know, professional yeah. opportunities to learn and grow. But, you know, employees are still looking for something. They're looking to to grow, especially in these times of change and things that are happening and wanting to learn. Now, mind you, we talked also talked mm-hmm. about you know, Zoom fatigue and all these other things. So adding something additional may be difficult too. But when, when you think about it, what can organizations do to really assess their training needs right now for their organization? Oh, I think um, it's only the biggest issues right now that they're looking at. And I can tell you, I actually have work because of uh, one of the biggest issues, which will be no surprise to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many, many organizations did not allow work from home. Yep. Um, And if they did, it was very much an exception. And those organizations have managers who are now virtual leaders and it's a different ball game. Like it is not the same. And what I found is if you were kind of a half baked manager in the office, like you were like, eh, you, you did some things, but you didn't do other things. You are a worse manager virtually. Mm-hmm. Like, like there needs to be a discipline and a rigor to management when you don't have your employees on campus, you, you yep. really have to behave differently. So that is one topic that I know um, is hot right now. And I actually do have paid work to do that with two, two different clients. Um, but under normal times, assessing needs, I, I usually look at what are the big company projects right now? Mm-hmm. And what do those projects do um, and to staff in terms of new things they need to learn, new behaviors they need to grow? Uh, I also look through performance management. I look through uh, their performance appraisals and their development plans to see what I can pick up from there that needs to be worked on. Uh, but the biggest thing, um, and this is going back to my training director days, is just really observing, mm-hmm. looking around the organization. What are problems we had last year that we still have this year? Uh, what are the things that are keeping leaders up at night? What, what are things that I see over and over again and just, you know, shake my head, this, this needs to change. All of that is part of kind of an informal needs assessment. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I'm noticing that too with, with my clients. It's, it's now really a crisis work from home situation. There's no policy. There's no plan in place. And right. if you haven't established the rapport from your employees, and there's a lot of people who were just hired before this happened, so they're starting and onboarding and training and programs that weren't developed before, you know, and they've never met the people who they thought that they were going to see every day. And I, I really like your approach to even, because oftentimes I notice too with, with training, sometimes it's more reactive than proactive of mm-hmm. we have this issue, let's solve it. And now with with all, I know everything really with diversity and inclusion, it's, you know, that should have been there before, <laughs> you know, right, going to an organization. Right. like this isn't like a one, one thing, check a box. This is an ongoing thing that we should be aware of in terms of representation and inclusivity. But I, I enjoy your approach of, you know, let's look back what has been issues in the past that haven't been, you know, resolved before. What are big projects that are coming up that we can help prepare our employees for? 
I think that helps the space be be more proactive than yeah. reactive. And then you're in this like hustle of, oh, we need all these trainings. We have to check all these boxes. And people feel like it's not very genuine. Yeah. And I, I think if you work in HR or the training department, sometimes you need to um, ask to be included. Mm -hmm. uh, very often what happens is there's a project underway and then just before rollout, they're like, oh my gosh, we need to prepare people for this. And then it's tossed to training in HR. So it's really like, oh, well, holy cow, this is an awful lot. And, and what we need to do, because often they're not thinking proactively of us, is keep in tune with what are the key projects that are going on and ask, what, do you, what will be the new behaviors that are needed because of this? Um, how will applications change? And how are we going to make sure people get up to speed? So we almost have to like crash their party. Yeah. You know, That's to make sure we're yeah. included. And how do you, I know this sounds like a, probably a really silly question, but sometimes even in these situations, you don't know what you don't know. How can yeah. you, I don't want to say successfully crash the party. Who? How do you know who to contact and what questions to ask? So it doesn't seem like you're trying to be intrusive, but you're truly there trying to help them because it will come to you eventually while protecting yourself and your team. Usually um, most organizations have either a list of key projects that's public or they do like a town hall where maybe the CEO or senior leaders will talk about, hey, these are the things that are coming down the pike. Based on those um, I usually broach somebody who is a senior executive, or if you have the relationship, you could go right to the CEO and say, hey, you guys are talking about this. I don't want to be intrusive. I don't want to you know, create work if we don't need to, but I just want to plant a seed with you that if there are going to be training needs, it's probably a good idea to assign a member of our staff now so that they have a sense of you know, what's going on and how it's developing so that we can in turn prepare the staff for it at rollout time. So I'm, what I'm hearing is a lot of really great thing is even thinking about one, if your organization is not having any town halls or a way to disseminate right. the information about large things, have them <laughs> figure yeah. out, identify a way to even during times of virtual work, just disseminate that information. And if you're in HR or another function that is going to be impacted in some type of way, attend them and ask questions to find out what your role as a leader or what your team's role might be as a result of these programs. And even, you know, keeping this running list of what's going on with the organization and dates, things are happening because I think the sooner, and, and that goes into like cross team, you know, communication and all that stuff, because we truly in organizations, I believe need one another to function. You can't stand alone from beginning to end of something Right. Uh, to be able to loop people in earlier makes your project or program more successful. <laughs> exactly what you were saying. Yeah, it's, I think what tends to happen or what I've seen is you've got different mindsets in HR and training. Um, you have a mindset that sometimes we just wait to be asked for things that they need and then we do them. Or you have the mindset that we're an integral part of this business and I have my hand on the back of the CEO and all the senior leaders here. And frankly, I'm going to protect them from themselves because they're busy doing the do. My job is to really protect them and make sure 
that the things that aren't obvious right now, but could be a problem down the path, that I'm, I'm there to help them. And that this right now, Ellis, this is an amazing time for HR. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I've, I've heard a number of HR folks along my travels over the years, you know, oh, it's almost like a Rodney Dangerfield. We get no respect. You know, we get yeah. no respect. I've noticed that too. Yeah. It's funny. Yes. They see what we're doing. Yeah. So now, okay. So this is the time for us to shine. This is the time for us to demonstrate in a big way how we solve problems for the organization and lower their blood pressure. We should be connecting to our other HR colleagues on a regular basis, at least once a week, if not more. What are you guys doing where you are? How are you handling this? When are you guys coming back? What are you doing in this situation? Comparing notes, looking at all of your policies proactively. What needs to change? How are we going to change it? Even collecting the questions you don't have answers to. Mm-hmm. These are all the questions we have. We don't have the answers, but we have a sense of control just by having the questions. Yeah. This is the time to shine. This is where the cream will rise to the top. Yeah. It's funny that you said that because I've noticed that so from so many individuals who've reached out and just said, you know, my company and my organization has finally realized the value of human resources. And I think it's because people are in so many different spaces and trying to connect people like they're the connectors um, to to make things happen. And I think I'm, I'm just I have not worked specifically in human resources within an organization. And I'm just amazed. Um, just of the, and excited for this change. I hope it continues to change and people realize how valuable um, the specific department is to the organization. Oh yeah, it, it won't be long forgotten. If they do a good job at easing business back into whatever normal will be after all of this, it certainly won't be what it was, but if they do a good job of, and I tell my HR friends, my training friends, your job is really not necessarily HR. It's problem solving. Yes. It's lowering blood pressure. It's making people's jobs easier. Forget your job description. If you're solving problems, lowering blood pressure, and making people's jobs easier, they're going to love you. Then we'll pull in the job description of all the, you know, making sure we have policies and procedures and understanding our employment law. All of that is, is a value add. But if you're not doing the first three, if you're not lowering blood pressure, solving problems, and making people's jobs easier, um, they really, they really don't care what you do. No, and that's what people want, right? Especially right now, is what else can I take off my plate, right? It's a lot of stress, yeah. a lot of high emotions. Anybody who's able to do that will shine, I think, right now. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm yeah. curious too, because I, I love that you're a comedian, also, and I'm just, I think it's so fun, um, just kind of your work <laughs> and how you've just started to do virtual um, comedy, comedy sessions and things like that. How, if, and I knew we were saying, you know, solve problems and do all these things, but maybe one of the problems is providing a training or a learning, you know, and development mm-hmm. solution. How beyond like the Zoom fatigue, right? We've used polls before, we've asked questions. What else can we do to get people excited to be on this call um because i think so many times you're like just another webinar i'm just so tired of staring at people's boxes like i'm on the brady bunch like what can leaders do to get that that voice heard yeah it's good instructional design 
is good instructional design. So whether you're in the classroom or you're on a screen, you need to design it well to keep people engaged. So in a classroom, and times have changed over the years. So in a classroom now, people have a very, very short attention span. So you need to be switching it up, asking questions, pairs exercises, group exercises, some video, uh, a game, mm -hmm. so that you're constantly mixing it up in the classroom to keep their attention. So now we move to Zoom or we move to GoToMeeting or some other online platform. The same still applies. So you can't just have PowerPoint slides, click, 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 or a screen, I call it the Brady Bunch, a screen full of faces, right? You have to keep it moving. So you're gonna do the same thing. You're gonna throw out a question, have a large group answer to that. A I call that the shout out. Um, you might do a pairs exercise and you'll use, you can use breakout groups to create pairs. If you don't have Zoom or you don't have breakout groups, I, before the call, say, find a partner that you will connect with during our program for pairs exercises and exchange cell phone numbers. Nice. I actually do that. I have a client in New Jersey and we do that all the time. So, and then we give them some time for the pairs exercise. We bring them back. We debrief. Um, breakout groups rock the world. Have you done a breakout group, Alyssa? Yes. I'm amazed. I, I, I'm amazed at people who don't. It's the oh. only, I think it's not just about talking about something. It's about right. actually having those conversations and doing something with the content. So those breakout rooms to me really bring that content to life. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have a, a really large pharmaceutical client, like super huge global pharmaceutical client. And uh, Zoom is not one of the, um, products that they had used in the past. So in March, when all of this was first happening, we had planned a, a webinar with Beijing and Shanghai. Mm -hmm. And we were going to use, they have like an internal um, connection software that we typically use. And, and we couldn't use it because we couldn't go in-house. It's not, it's right. not um, web-based. Anyway, we used Zoom. So this was the first time this group is using Zoom. I had 30 people on the call from Beijing and Shanghai. I said, all right, we're going to go in um, to a small group, and I want you guys to talk about this. So we did breakout group, and they each had like five or six people per group. Then they come back. Oh, my gosh, Alyssa, they were delighted. It's so fun. And you as the host can go, I hop room to room. Does yes. anybody have any questions? Yes. Or a big creepy in the corner. It's great. <laughs> right. I popped in. They're like, oh, Teresa is here. And I'm like, I am here. How did she get there? I know. I'm like, I'm just checking in. Are you okay? They're like, yeah, we're having a good conversation. All right, I'll let you go. So in my mind, when you have good instructional design for the classroom, it can be transferred to the online platform. Here's my thing. I think a lot of people weren't good face-to-face. -face. Like they were not, like, so if you- It's if hard you can, to translate a not good face-to-face -to, -face <laughs> to a good online. Right. If you were not good in the classroom, you will not be good online. Um, so that's, that's a whole nother issue that needs to be addressed, but. Uh, 
I'm curious too, though, because you mentioned, and I love using different things from breakout rooms and even um, the white whiteboard if we're doing brainstorming, people wow. yeah. can annotate. Is there, I mean, I know like science-wise, do you say, is it every 20 minutes you shift gears, every 15 minutes, you as a, um, as an instructor, is there a good time so people don't feel like you're like, oh my gosh, show me to like get up and then get down and move to the left and move to the right, but we need to do something. Is there a good time frame for that switch? You know what I think is interesting, Alyssa? I think what's being taught right now, if you're in any like adult learning instructional design class, I think they're teaching every 15 minutes. Yes. I, could, I could be wrong. But 20 I, minutes, yep. Yep, that tends to be, but can I tell you it's shorter? It's really it has to be, right? Yeah, because I mean, just think about our ADD world. I mean, we, you know, we're looking at our cell phone. We're we're looking for distractions. Mm -hmm. We're so used to pivot in the classroom. Um, I'm, I think every five to seven minutes, and and it doesn't mean it's a big shift. It's like I'll talk and lecture and share a story, and now it's been five to seven minutes, and I'll say. Now, you know, that I've shared that, what do you think? Mm -hmm. What's your experience? Boom. Now we've pivot. Now they're going to give back. So thank you for making that distinction too, because it's not a get up, sit down, move to the side of the room, do all those things that every five to seven minutes could be, I'm going to go over a theory or something or data that we went over from this engagement survey. What are your thoughts? Like it can just be a switch in who has the mic type of thing um, to make things different. Yep. Five to seven minutes. And you know what? Five to seven minutes now is a long period of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it is not long, but it is a long period of time. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. But seriously, thank you so, so much. You just gave just a, a lot, a lot of content for us to think about in terms of how we can really reflect on what we need in terms of training, especially right now, what we can do during those training sessions and how we can really engage um, our employees, especially now as there's just so much distractions and virtually. So I very, very much appreciate you taking the time. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. And I, I hope someone that's listening picked up a nugget that they can um, that they can use. I'm sure they picked up multiple nuggets. <laughs> How can our audience get in touch with you if they want to, whether it's bring you physically in at some point for training or virtual training or learn a little bit more about your comedy? Um, well, in terms of the business, my business is High Five Performance, and they can go to highfiveperformance.com and check out my website and high-level listing of offerings. And as far as comedy, I have a Facebook page, uh, Teresa HK Comedy. I might be wrong about that, but I think it's Teresa HK Comedy. But you'll find me out there. Every Friday night during this quarantine, we're doing a virtual comedy show at 8 o'clock. And we, it's a game show. So we play Match Game, which is an old TV show that um, has six celebrities. And then we invite the audience to play. So... Oh, I love it. Yeah, you totally need to come. It's, I'm it's coming. Free. It's this absolutely awesome. free. And uh, we do it in Zoom, but we also do it on Facebook Live because some people are not Zoomers. So we do Zoom and we broadcast to Facebook Live. Oh, that's smart too. But thank you again. I really, really appreciate it. And to our audience, if you have any questions that you wanted to be addressed in a future episode, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn at Alyssa Carpenter or at Not Okay, That's Okay on Twitter. Until next time.
Thanks again for listening. But did you know that you can leave me a voice message to answer any questions on an upcoming episode? Just go into the show notes and the link will be there at the bottom for you to send me that message. Have a great day.